Hello again, Nightmare Society. Tonight, we have an attempted break-in and two instances of being chased by a predator. A big thanks to our contributors for allowing me to share their stories with you tonight. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by sharing us with your friends, following us on Instagram at Nightmare Society Radio, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, or just being a part of our online campfire at patreon.com slash nightmare society. There's a few tiers to choose from starting at just a dollar a month. If you have a story you'd like to submit, you can do so by emailing us at nightmaresocietyradio at gmail.com. Now, get comfy and prepare yourself for another episode of The Nightmare Society. Before my husband and I got married, we were living together in a mediocre apartment complex in a similarly mediocre part of the city. It wasn't an especially dangerous place, but security at the complex was severely lacking. For context, I once had my car stolen out of the parking lot in broad daylight without anyone noticing. Another issue with the complex's parking lot was its shortage of spaces. This was usually more of an annoyance than anything, but on one occasion it put me in very real danger. I was still finishing my degree at the time and had night classes that, in combination with an hour and a half commute, left me getting home most nights well after 11 p.m., Often I was lucky enough to find a space in the main parking lot by my building, but there were a few occasions when I found myself having to park in a much farther lot. This lot was very poorly lit, had no buildings near it, and usually had very few cars in it. It was creepy in and of itself, but what really scared me about it was the extended walk from it. As a 21-year-old woman, I had already had plenty of experiences with creeps, late-night walks, and unpleasant combinations of the two. But usually these walks were down a street or somewhere public. Walking alone through this big, dark, empty lot made me feel like sitting prey. No one noticed when someone stole my car in the middle of the day. Why should I expect anyone to notice if something happened to me there in the middle of the night? With all of this going through my head most nights to begin with, there was one evening in particular when getting out of my car just felt like a bad idea. I'm not a superstitious person, but my intuition was buzzing from the minute I unlocked my door. I'd only taken a few steps when I spotted a man standing still by the dumpster near my building. He didn't have any trash. He wasn't looking through it. He wasn't smoking. He wasn't doing anything. Just standing there, looking at me. I was still all the way across the parking lot, but other than getting back in my car, there was no way around him. The dumpster was squarely in the middle of the two entrances to my building, 
No matter which way I went, I would have to walk directly towards him. My keys were already between my fingers, but I wasn't feeling very confident about whether this would help. I'm not a strong person, and I'm also only about 5 foot 3 inches tall, or 160 centimeters. More than anything, I felt silly for being so afraid, but I knew in my gut something was wrong. This man had appeared out of nowhere. I had driven past the dumpster on my way into the lot, and he had not been there. Moreover, I knew what everyone in my building looked like, and there's no way he would have had time to get there from another building between when I passed the dumpster and when I parked. As I got closer, it became obvious that I wasn't imagining the man staring at me, especially because as I got closer, he turned his body so that he was always facing me, like a sunflower, just rotating in place, watching me. Then came the moment when I had to pass him to get into the door. I felt silly doing it, but I turned around and walked half backwards as I got close to passing him. I left a wide space between us as I drew near by walking in the grass instead of on the sidewalk, but I still did not want to turn my back on him. Eventually though, I had to, and the second I did, I heard footsteps, running footsteps, coming towards me, fast. So I ran too. I sprinted to the building, ran up the steps to the door, entered the pen as quickly as I could. I was afraid I wouldn't be able to get my keys out in time, and hoped to hell that he would not be able to follow me. I didn't stop running until I got to my apartment door three flights of stairs later. My neighbors were probably mad about the noise, but I was terrified. The second I got in the door, I told my then-fiancé what happened between panicked breaths, and he immediately called security. While he did, I went to peek through the balcony window to see if I could spot the man. I couldn't. He was nowhere to be seen. When security got there, they reported the same. No one was around. I still don't know what the man was doing there before I got there or where he came from, and I've moved across town since then, but creepy parking lot guy, let's not meet. I'm a female, and when I was 19 years old, I lived with my mom in a ranch-style house on a road that backed up to a large field. On the other side was the main highway. About half a mile down from me was a loony farmer, and about a mile on the other side of me was pretty much a crack house. I guess someone used to live there, but it was run down. I will say that the crackheads were pretty quiet. Other than those two houses, we were completely isolated. At the time, I was working full-time and going to school full-time. One of my classes ended at 10.30 p.m. I often wouldn't get home that day of the week until about 11.15-ish. 
I was driving home one night and I noticed some guy walking down the road. He had a yellow shirt and track pants. I remember his outfit because it was stupid. It wasn't weird to see people walking down my road because of the whole crack house thing, but I instinctively looked over at him when I drove past. He turned and smiled and waved, which freaked me the heck out. So I speed the half mile home and pull into the driveway, completely weirded out. I made sure all the doors and windows were secure, and then I sat down on the couch to be a paranoid freak and wait to make sure the dude walked past my house. Except, he did not. And there was another guy with him now, dressed in darker clothes. They actually walked up my driveway and started playing around with my car, testing the handles and stuff. In my hurry, I forgot to grab my phone from my car, so I was kind of worried that's what they were after, until the guy in yellow started approaching my front door. I'm completely freaking out, so I go and wake my mom up. She's bleary and I'm trying to explain the situation when we both hear the doorknob turn very slowly. Good thing it was deadbolted. She got out of bed walked to the door, and then the yellow shirt knocked. I perched up on the couch so I could get a good look at him and his friend, still in the driveway. The port lights was on because of the sensor. My mom said, Yeah? 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 You dropped your wallet. I told my mom that I had my wallet. It was in my purse. So she calmly told him that she had her wallet and it was too late to be knocking on people's doors. I remember perfectly what he said next, even though this was about six years ago. Okay, I'm not a bad guy, just so you know. We were all pretty still. No one moved. Not even the guy at the door. Not even when the porch light went off. Then he tried the handle again. My mom told me to call the cops so she could get a gun, and I told her I didn't have my phone. So she walked to the kitchen to grab hers from the charger. She handed me the phone and walked to the bathroom, stared out the window into the backyard. Then she went to her room to grab her Ruger. That's a gun for those of you not familiar. I was talking to the cops and explaining the situation all while watching the two guys explaining that there were two suspicious men at our door when my mom came back out and said, One is in our backyard too. Which explained why she had looked out the back bathroom window. She glimpsed him from the kitchen and went to get a more discreet look. My mom walked back over to the door with her gun and loudly said, If he tries the handle again, I'm just going to open up the door and shoot him. Who the heck knows why she said that instead of waiting for the cops to arrive. But the guys took off down the road. I told her and she rushed to the bathroom, where the guy apparently in the backyard saw his friends running down the road and sprinted off too. They were going in the direction of the crack house. The cops searched our house and our yard and then went to the drug house, where they found five guys hanging around. 
One was the yellow shirt guy, and I'm assuming his friends were with him. They did get arrested and nothing weird like that ever happened again, but I was on edge for a while. I still make sure the doors are locked at all times every day, even though I live in a much nicer area now. So to the weird guys who told me you found my wallet, that's not me. We lived in a small neighborhood, all of the surrounding streets dead end into a half circle park. Behind the park are some woods and a railroad track. When we were younger, we all played in the front part of the woods. We never ventured too far back. This was our play area for years. Never had an issue or a scare. This area was really pretty and it was a well-lit wooded area. Anyhow, one day my brother Jimmy, my best friend Sarah, and my brother's best friend Ian were all building a dam in the middle of the small creek that ran through the park and the woods. The boys decided they were going to head back to Ian's house for some snacks. Sarah and I said that we would stay and finish up our camp area. As we're moving rocks around, I get a very odd feeling come over me. A strange feeling that we're being watched. I immediately think it's the boys trying to scare us and just continue with what we're doing. Sarah and I load up some big rocks and head back to the creek and put them down at the dam. I get that feeling again. And as I stand up, I see something straight in front of me about 30 feet away. I can't clearly make out what it is yet, because it's behind a bush. But I do see that it's a pattern of red and blue. I know that's nothing the boys had on, so at this point I'm focusing, trying to figure out what it is. As I'm scanning up the bush, I start to realize that it's a clown. I shit you not, my heart started pounding immediately. The clown in my eyes locked. He's wearing blue and a red hat with a reverse pattern red-blue jumpsuit. I grab Sarah's shirt and immediately pull her upright, and she notices the man right away. He's smiling with a full face of makeup and he has this huge knife. We both say nothing and start running as fast as our legs can take us. He begins to follow. We can hear twigs snapping and ground crunching, but we're booking it. We run through the front of the woods, through the side of the park, and up her dead-end street. Ian and Jimmy are two houses up from the end and see us running and are screaming what is going on. While running past, we scream a clown, and they start laughing. We're still running, screaming for our lives, and finally make it to the middle of the street where Sarah's dad, Danny, is now running out the front door because he hears us screaming. We met Danny right at the beginning of the neighbor's house, and we're trying to explain what we had seen, and he says, Girls, stop it now. That's ridiculous. What are you talking about? By this time, Jimmy and Ian have caught up to us. We're crying and pointing and telling Danny again that we had seen a clown and a knife. 
Jimmy and Ian are laughing, and Danny is asking if they played a prank on us. About this time, an old yellow Pinto type of car comes up from the dead end at the park and pulls right up next to the sidewalk of the yard that we're in. Sure enough, plain as day, it's the freaking clown. No hat this time, but a knife was still in his hand and he was telling us to come here. Danny starts shoving us all toward the house and he himself is scared and running now. The car peels off down the street. We get inside and Danny calls the police. We had to give statements and police patrol the neighborhood and the park for a few weeks. We were never allowed to go in the park again. And a few months after that, the city started to clear out the woods. They cut down many trees and made a walking area that you could see through all the way to the train tracks. My friend and I used to talk about this many times up until her death. No one would believe us had they not seen it as well. It was just so scary. I think they only got to see him because whoever it was had to go down the dead end street to leave the neighborhood. Either way, this man was not afraid of us, nor the small group of people that gathered from our screaming. He very bravely stopped right in front of us as her father tried to comfort us and calm us down, all while still flashing that knife. We're lucky to be alive, I think. Had it just been one of us left in the woods, which sometimes occurred, I don't think there would have been a group of four of us any longer. Sarah's dad stopped drinking that day, and we all have a fear of clowns. Before you go, here's a preview of the bonus episode going up on our Patreon campfire this week. Hope you enjoy. I could hear one step at a time as he slowly ascended the stairs. It was like a movie. I quickly dialed 911. That's when my bedroom door slowly opened. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time. Sweet dreams.